Good afternoon, everybody. Good to see everybody. Uh, boa tarde. Boa tarde. Not bad. We got some Portuguese friends with us today. Um, what's up, y'all? My name is Alvin. My name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at Nashville Life. And I'm glad you are with us. For those of you here for the first time, hope you're enjoying yourself. I want to thank everybody who has been serving today, some for all three services. We've got our guest services. We've got our kids' life downstairs, our music team, our production team, our prayer team, our finance team. It takes a lot of people to pull this off. Um, especially even during the summer, a lot of people have been on vacation, so some of the people have been doubling up, doing more to make up for people's trips, and I just am so grateful for everybody who makes Nashville life what it is, and I just wanted to express some thanks. Uh, I'm excited for this month. We are uh, doing a new series, and our series is we're studying the book of Colossians. We are spending all of August going through uh, one of my favorite books. It's really one of the go-tos for me. Uh, I love Colossians because it really does well at talking about the, the magnitude of God and the majesty of God and just how big God is. And during these 21 days that we're about to start or that we're starting today, I'm really, um, I just really sense that all of us need to be reminded of how big God is, how big Jesus is, how powerful he is. We are serving a great, great Lord, and his power is, is unmatched. No one, nothing has the same power of Jesus, and if he's living in your heart, you've got that power inside of you. You've got that power supporting you every day, and Colossians is going to help remind us of that today. Um, I was not, not looking for this, but as I was studying it, I saw the vision of our church. As I was reading this book, I really see that a lot of the themes of the vision of our church are found in the book of Colossians. Our, our vision, for those of you who aren't familiar, is following Jesus building leaders. That's the, that's the vision of our church. We, we follow Jesus, and then we, we want to raise up people to be strong and mature in their faith so they can go on and share with other people. And our vision has four steps. The four steps of our vision is to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and then to make a difference. And uh, as I was reading, I saw each step of our vision um, in these chapters in Colossians. And again, I wasn't looking for that. It was a nice surprise that God gave me because we get to go into Colossians, but we also get to be reconnected to the vision of our church. And I pray that it unifies us for what God is calling this house to do. So before we get into the word, let's repeat these words after me. Uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, amen. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. We are going to do verse 1 and 2. It says, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a letter written by Paul along with his disciple Timothy to a new exciting community of Christians in the city of Colossae. It's not very far from Greece. It's in where modern-day Turkey is today. And uh, this city is a Gentile city. Uh, They don't have religious roots, um, but God did something amazing in their city, and a church emerged and started. And Paul hears about all the good things that are happening in this community and writes a letter to them, and that's what we're going to study today and all this month. Let's go to verse 3, 3 through 8. It says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it has all, sorry, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So that was a lot, but. As I was reading this, I started to smile because, again, I saw the vision of our church, which is all about uh, the ripple effect of the gospel and how you can turn from being a recipient of the gospel to a giver of the gospel. And then someone else is a recipient of the gospel. And then they get to share it with someone else. And you see this ripple effect of people growing in Christ and sharing it with somebody else and then making disciples, then those disciples making more disciples. And there's just this exponential effect that the gospel has on a human life. And you see this in this passage because Paul actually didn't plant the church of Colossians. Uh, He ministered uh, to Epaphras, and Epaphras, Epaphras was converted, and he took the message after being converted and went back to his hometown of Colossae and started talking about the gospel to his friends and family, and then it started to spread more and more, and from this one person who was converted to Christianity, he then went on and shared the gospel and saw more people come to Christ. And that's just the power of the gospel that we all have. I'm not saying that everybody here is going to go off and start a church, but I am saying that if you are a recipient of the gospel, you are carrying something a lot more powerful than you realize. And that message has the ability to start 
fires. It has the ability to change lives. It has the ability to change your family and your community, and in Epaphras' case, his whole city. So don't underestimate the power of the gospel that you're carrying because it's more powerful than, than I think you realize. Uh, so I encourage you all to, to share it and, and just let the gospel, let the power of God do his thing. He will do it. If you just are obedient enough to share it, you will be amazed at what the Lord will do with that powerful gospel that you share. And I just see that so, so clearly in that opening statement. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 through 10, it says, For this reason... For this reason, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So that really is the first step of our vision. I told you guys, the first step in our church's vision is to know God. And the reason why it's important to know God is because when you know God, you know the one who knows everything. And the cool thing about knowing God is you don't have to know everything because you know the one who knows everything. So it takes the pressure off of you of having to really know anything but God. Paul said, I made it to where I know nothing but Christ and him crucified because he found the secret that when you know God, you know the one who knows the answer to every question that you could possibly have. He knows a solution to every problem you could ever find yourself in. He knows the connections to every relationship that you need for your life. When you know God, you know the one who can tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and... It, you will never miss a beat simply because you know God. I don't have to get any smarter. All I have to do is know God, depend on him, and I'll let his wisdom guide my life, and y'all will actually think that I'm brilliant. When you follow God, people will think that you're brilliant, and you're not. You just know the one who is. It's a wonderful situation. Let's keep going. Verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Paul said, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I have four steps or four points, I should say, that come with knowing God. The first one is to know God is to be thankful. We see Paul giving thanks, and he's not just giving a blanket thanks. He's thanking God for specific things. And, and when you know God, I just don't see how it's possible to not be thankful. To know God is to be thankful. I don't think you can separate knowing God and gratitude. And let me explain. To know God is to first of all realize that you didn't always know God. 
Everyone who knows God knows that I didn't always know God. Someone had to intervene for me to know God. Jesus Christ had to give his life and, and, and pay for my sins and, and reconnect me to my creator for me to know God. Jesus had to suffer and die for me to know God. And because he suffered and died and because he shed his blood, I am qualified, according to what Paul says, I am qualified to be a part of God's inheritance. I get to share in the same blessings that Jesus Christ gets to enjoy. I get to experience the same wisdom and the same glory and the same honor and the same provision that Jesus Christ himself experiences because I am in him. And I'm sorry, guys, no one, there is no one who believes that and is not grateful. You cannot truly understand all that your salvation means and not be thankful. I really want to challenge you guys, those of you who struggle in the area of gratitude. I think it's healthy to ask yourself if you really do believe. And that's, that's not as scary as you think of a question. I think it's healthy. Paul said it's healthy to, to ask yourself, am I still in this faith? Or have I traded my belief in Jesus for my belief in my problems? Or have I, have I, do I believe the report and the words of the enemy more than I believe the words of Jesus? When, when you really do know God, I truly believe generosity and gratitude will flow from your heart. And you won't have to force it. I truly believe gratitude is a matter of your beliefs. If you're not grateful, check your beliefs. You might find some odd things that are blocking gratitude from truly being in your life. Because I believe to know God is to be thankful. And that's what we see here. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 21. No, verse 15. Verse 15, I skipped. Verse 15, it says, he is the image, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things. This is big talk, y'all. All things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. It doesn't matter. Heaven or earth, he's over it all. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Y'all, Paul knew how to talk about Jesus. And I, was, I really want to challenge you all to learn how to talk about Jesus the way we see Paul talking about Jesus. Because when you know 
how to describe the greatness of Jesus, I promise he will actually become larger to you. He's, he won't become larger because he's always what he is, but he will come larger to you. And that's the goal. We, Jesus is big whether we believe in him or not. The issue is not that Jesus is big. The issue is that he's not big enough to us. And if you don't understand just how big and great Jesus is, then you will fall into the problem that most people fall into and think that your mountains and your issues are bigger than Jesus, which is why we fear. We believe that the disease is greater than the power of God. We believe that the problem is bigger than our Savior. We believe that the sin is more powerful than our Jesus. But if you learn how to magnify Jesus, if you learn how to talk about him according to his greatness, if you learn to praise him according to what the Bible says that he is, you will start finding it way more easier to submit to him and to follow him and to trust him. My second point is to know God is to submit to Jesus. And the reason why I believe Paul was able to submit to Jesus because he constantly spoke on the greatness of Jesus. Guys, human beings, we're not going to yield to what we don't think is great. We're not going to submit to who we don't think is awesome. And if you don't magnify Jesus accordingly, you'll start living your life like Jesus is this small. But guys, we actually have the power of how to talk about Jesus in a way where he's big in our eyes, and therefore we can submit to him. The Father has designed salvation to where you cannot come to him unless you place your life under the authority of his son. It is not until you willingly and deliberately place your life under the authority of Jesus that you can know God. And that's just the way that God built it. And the Bible says it pleases the Father that all of him is contained in Jesus. It pleases him that all you have to do if you want to know about the Father is to look to Jesus. We all Everyone who knows God must have a reverence, must have a bow-down posture to King Jesus. If you don't, you'll be blind to God. You, I said last service, your, your, your knowing God is in direct correlation to your submission to Jesus. And I'll take that to the grave. The level that you know God is in direct correlation to how submitted you are to his son, Jesus Christ. I'll just let you sit with that. Let's keep going. We have two more points. It says in verse 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless, wow, and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. My third point is to know God 
is to pursue holiness. To know God is to pursue holiness. Holiness is a journey, everybody. Salvation is a journey. Knowing God is a journey, and it has a start, and it has a finish. And all of us, no matter how different all of us are, we're from different countries, we're different races, we're different personality types, it doesn't matter how different we are. One thing that we all have in common is we all started our journey at the same place. And according to the scripture, our starting line was being alienated from God and being enemies of God. And I mean all of us, even those of you who were raised in church and were quote-unquote Christian since birth, I got news for you, you were not. You might have been born around Christians since birth, but none of us were born with a mind to serve God. All of us were born with a mind that was opposing God. We were alienated. We were enemies in our minds. Our nature was to go the opposite way of God. We had to be reconciled by grace. We had to be reconciled to him. And then we had to start following this new Lord called Jesus. And he takes us from being enemies of God, of being alienated from God, and step by step, month by month, year by year, season by season, he takes us to the finish line. And that finish line, according to the scriptures, is being blameless and being holy and being above reproached. And this Bible says that if we pursue holiness, we will all reach that destination if we continue which means we can't stop, which means those of you right now who are tempted, you're getting kind of tired of, of this Jesus thing. You're getting kind of tired of, of, of reading your Bible and obeying God and going against the grain of your friends and going against the grain of your, your feelings and your temptations and your urges. Some of you guys are like, this is getting tiring, and I'm telling you now, this is not the time to give up. This is the time to continue and allow God to develop perseverance in your heart. Allow him to develop consistency in your life. And perseverance is only built when you want to give up. Endurance only is produced in the times that you want to stop. Trust me, you don't build endurance when you feel like it. When you want to serve God, that's not the time that endurance is being built. That's when you're just like riding a nice wave. And those are fun. I love those times. But endurance and perseverance is produced when, when, you're, when you kind of want to slow down. But the Lord is saying if you continue and you stay grounded in the faith and you stay steadfast, you will be presented to the Father as holy as blameless and above reproach. And I believe all of us are going to reach that finish line because we're all going to spur each other on to continue. And all of us are going to be that friend that when we see that friend drifting, we're going to say, hey, not today. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming. Which is why small groups are important. Shameless plug for life groups. It keeps you connected so you can keep going because all of us will have times where we feel like stopping. And praise God for those friends and those brothers and those sisters that go, nope, you are making it. 
and we're going to make it together. We all need that. All right, almost done. Pursuing holiness. we got to continue pursuing holiness. And the last point is I now rejoice. Verse 24, Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, talking about Jesus, we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Other translations say fully matured in Christ. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works, mighty, which works in me, mightily. And I want to end with my fourth point, which is just to know God is to dream big. That's one of the greatest things I've received in my salvation. My perspective of, of life and the world as I knew it has been completely enlarged. My life is no longer just about me anymore. It's not even just about my family anymore. My life is about so many more people because the Lord has invited me to his dream, which is for every man, every man to be presented mature and perfect in Christ. So now my life's vision is for every man, every man to be presented perfect in Christ. And when you start to live your life with God's vision and God's dream in mind, it will change the way you see yourself. It will change the way you see the world. It'll change the way you see strangers. It'll change the way you see your friends. It'll change the way you see your enemies. Because your enemy is included in the every man that needs to be presented. So you'll find yourself praying and feeling compassion for people that you were trained to hate. It'll change everything. When you have God's dream, you will find yourself being willing to suffer for the advancement of God's kingdom and to be inconvenienced for the furthering of the gospel and to go through hardships and afflictions just so that one person might have a chance to know Jesus. It will change your life. And I want to invite you all to know God and to know his dreams and to know his vision. I was telling the last service, this, this city alone has hundreds of thousands of people. This moment who know nothing about God. That's the truth, y'all. Yes, even with all the churches on every corner, even with all of the wonderful church buildings and all of the great things that are going on in Nashville, there are still hundreds of thousands of people that know nothing about God. 
They've never had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And as long as that's true, guys, we have a responsibility. We have a privilege to help realize God's dream. He's looking to us. He's looking for the saints. He said, Paul said that the saints are the only ones who have received the mystery that Jesus is the answer. But we're called to do something with that mystery. And that's make it known to other people people who are far off, people that are showing no signs of ever coming here. The Lord will give you grace and he will give you uh, uh, vision and he'll give you love in a way you're, you'll find yourself engaging with people in a way that would bring them into this mystery that we've received. That's God's dream for your life. That's God's dream for every person, every man. That's his dream for people who aren't even Christians yet. This is not just about us. It's about every man. And that's just Nashville, man. We have a lifetime worth of work just for Nashville, let alone all the other cities in Tennessee and all the other. Like, guys, God's dream is so big that none of you all can afford to be on the bench. None of you all can afford to be on the sidelines. None of you all can afford to be on break. It's just true. If you saw just how big the dream was, you would realize that every day counts. Every hour counts. Every person counts. So my prayer is that during these three weeks, guys, when we pray, the Lord gives us his heart. He allows our hearts to sincerely burn and, and beat for what his heart beats for and what his hearts burn for. Y'all, Jesus is concerned about the lost. And he's trying to invite us to that same concern. So get to know God. Give your lives to him and watch. Watch him change your heart. He'll change your mind. He'll change your priorities. He'll change your objectives. He'll change your goals. He'll change the things that make you excited. It will revolutionize your life. Some of you all have already tasted that. There's more. There's more. I'm going to pray that we receive more of what it takes to know God. More gratitude. More submission to Jesus. More pursuit of holiness. And more of God's dream and his vision becoming our vision and our dream for our lives. Let's pray. Father, I honor you. I praise you. I thank you, Lord, for the word of God, and I pray that the Holy Spirit does a work in every person in this room. Lord, we see clearly that it is your vision that every man comes to Christ. Every man is discipled to maturity. Every woman, every boy, every girl. So God, I pray that we would get to know you so that we can share in this dream and we can partake in this dream. And your dream can become our dream and your vision can become our vision and your purpose can become our purpose because we know you. Lord, you're trying to tell us who you are and what you're about. Let us have ears to hear and a heart to receive exactly who you are. You're a God who loves the lost. 
You're a God who's concerned about the hundreds of thousands of people that we see every day. Lord, help us to grow in our knowledge of you so that we can be with you in this, Lord. We want to be with you. Today, we say yes to you. We say yes to your desires and yes to your plans. Yes to your word. And most importantly, yes to your son, Jesus Christ. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. We're about to dismiss. But before I do, I want to give every person a chance to submit to the Lord Jesus through a prayer. If you pray this prayer, something supernatural will happen in your heart. If you believe it and allow yourself to say it, just watch. You will see your life slowly but surely begin to make all types of exciting changes. And I can't wait to see it with you. So uh, repeat these words after me. Let's say it all together. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's all make some noise for Jesus, for mercy, for salvation. Glory be to God. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to get in position. We have some leaders here. They're going to be ready to pray for anybody who needs prayer before you leave, before you walk out. Please, if you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate. We are here to support you. We are here to pray for you. Uh, there's nothing too big or too small to ask for prayer for. So if that's you on your way out, please do not hesitate. These people are great and they can pray. They can pray. Uh, if you said yes to the Lord Jesus and you want to get more connected, you can text the word BELONG to 77411. We can connect with you that way. We also have next steps, one floor up. That's about to start in a few minutes. I'm leading it. I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to tell you more about the church's vision if you want to get more involved. We won't keep you long. Uh, and then lastly, if you would like to give, Thank you in advance. Our finance team can serve you in the lobby if you want to give that way, or you can give online. And uh, We just pray God's blessings over you. I'm going to pray, and we'll dismiss. Uh, Father, I pray a blessing, your blessing over every person who's here. Bless them for choosing to come to worship today, God. I pray, Lord, that the word that they received would transform the way they think and the way they feel. God, I pray, Lord, that you would lead them
into your dream for their life and your vision for their life, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would all be pleasing to you in the way that we live and the decisions that we make. Lord, we love you and we thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great rest of your day.